This podcast is produced by the Center for Deployment Psychology at the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences. The views expressed are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Uniformed Services University, the Department of Defense, or the U.S. government. In addition, references to any specific companies, products, processes, or services does not necessarily constitute or imply endorsement by the Uniformed Services University, the Department of Defense, or the U.S. government. Welcome to CDP's podcast, Practical for Your Practice. We give you actionable intel to support what you do. One colleague to another. Welcome or welcome back to Practical for Your Practice. I am Dr. Jenna Ermold, Assistant Director of Online Training, Telehealth and Technology. And I'm joined uh, by my podcast partner in crime, Dr. Kevin Holloway. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm, I'm good. And I'm really kind of excited today because a very long time friend, colleague, colleague, friend has joined us today to have a conversation about a topic very near and dear to my heart, which is military culture. So I'd like to welcome Dr. Shannon McCaslin to the podcast. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. And Shannon, we are going to let you do just that thumbnail sketch intro of who you are and kind of what you're doing so folks uh, know where your perspective is coming from. Sure. So, um, yeah, so I'm a clinical psychologist by training, and I'm currently at the National Center for PTSD uh, in the VA healthcare system. And uh, there I work on uh, various education and training uh, products and initiatives. Um, uh, one we'll be talking about today, uh, the Community Provider Toolkit. Um, I'd like to say, too, that uh, anything I say today is really from my perspective, and the views I express here uh, don't necessarily reflect those of the U.S. government or the Department of Veterans Affairs. Awesome. And I have, I was trying to think back, Shannon, to when we met and how we met. Um, And I think it was in the context of developing the very large four-part military culture for healthcare professionals course um and and kind of how mm-hmm. that sort of played into the toolkit is that like is that your memory is that how we cross paths cross paths you know it's been a while jenna uh so it's, it's <laughs> trying like to 10 years myself. yeah it's been a long time um you know i think it might have been a little bit um more convoluted than that i received a small amount of funding for a pilot project focused on military culture. And as part of that That's process, right. I brought in, I brought in our colleague, Dr. Patricia Watson, our beloved colleague. And, uh-huh. um, and so we met through that process and I believe that you and she had been just wrapping up that uh, four piece course and we're about to launch it maybe. Um, and so we connected through that, and then I think she may have connected us, and we all presented together a couple times. That's right. And I pulled you in to some of these other educational products that we were developing, um, and your expertise. And so, yeah, but it was a while ago. It was, it um, was. yeah, hard so to. Just, yeah. And then- well, just for our listeners, friends, all these later. Yeah, sorry. All right, no, and just for our <laughs> listeners' benefit, like you know, you've mentioned this for, mm-hmm. course a couple times. Is that still available? Is that out there? 
It is not. Okay. <laughs> so <that's laughs> I just want to make sure in case people we, hear about yeah, it and they're like we, we're looking uh, for it, you know. Let's yeah. let's talk about that when we get to resources. Um <laughs> okay. because we've got All we've right. got different ones, but that's it's on pause right now, but we'll 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 circle back to that at the end. Got it. Um but we are today, we mm-hmm. one of the reasons why we wanted to invite you, Shannon, is uh we on this podcast, it's really it's practical for your practice and we talk about mm-hmm. you know how to help providers feel supported as they do EBPs. Um, We talk about different nuances of EBPs. And obviously, Mm -hmm. a really important part of patient care, and especially if you're wanting to work with military-connected clients, is kind of providing that care, but through the lens of military culture, um, is something that we think is kind of important. But before we... Mm -hmm talk more about that. Like from your experience, why is this a topic? Why do you think we're even talking about that? Like, why does it matter? Or, or what do you think providers, um, why mm-hmm. do you think providers should spend some time getting a sense of this, this thing that we call military culture? Right. So, you know, and I think Jenna and Kevin, both of you could speak to this, so feel free to just jump in. Um, but really, you know, I think for me, I really think about um, being able to make that connection with a patient um, mm-hmm. that sort of opens the door to the rest of treatment, right? You you want to sort of um, be able to establish a therapeutic alliance and rapport that allows you to then move forward um, with a collaborative relationship with the patient. And if um, your client, your patient doesn't feel understood or you are missing a large part of their experience or their perspective, um, and uh, not really attending to that, I think that you know has real implications for engagement, um, adherence to treatment, things like that. It's really true. Like you know, when any of us mm-hmm. as providers want to be culturally competent with any culture that we work with, and I think sometimes we forget that being military connected, having that experience is is another cultural component that we sometimes forget about mm-hmm. if we're not, you know, encountering that all the time. So I think that that makes a ton of sense to think about, you know, being competent and sensitive to the the unique aspects of that culture that your client may have. And it's mm-hmm. one that's not taught mm-hmm. often, you know, in graduate right. school or in some of the programs that um, our listeners might have been trained up in. And I think that's changing. I think mm-hmm. more schools are incorporating that, but, um, and, and I think, um, you know, we, we've kind of moved forward with the assumption that the military has a distinct culture. I would say that it definitely has many of the features of what would sort of define a culture. Um, mm-hmm. and I, and I agree, Shannon, I think, um, if, a if a military connected client makes it to your door, um, sometimes there's trepidation, trepidation, now I can't say that word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's concerns. I'll just replace it um, sure, sure. about how well they're going to be understood. And, yeah. um, when providers spend the time to maybe understand some of the features, um, that have been reinforced as, as being part of the military culture. It really, in my mm-hmm. mind, the, the most important thing it does is it puts something into context, right? Like if we put it into the mm-hmm. context of culture and we can yeah. really evaluate their behaviors, their communication style, you know, kind of look out for certain things, you know, um, Mm-hmm. If, if they're seeing, if they're seeming, you know, to defer to you more, you know, is that just a part of their personality or is this something that's like a learned behavior from being in the military and how can we offset that if we need them to not do that as much, um, in our clinical decision-making mm-hmm. together, 
um, there's so many places where I think it can impact care. Um, you know, yeah. and I guess like, how do you think when we're talking about EBPs, um, and obviously you're with NCPTSD, so certainly with PTSD mm-hmm. treatment, what can happen mm-hmm. if somebody doesn't get the culture? Um, you know, what, what are some of the concerns if a provider kind of mm-hmm. rushes into an EBP, but doesn't sort of consider military culture? Right. Well, and I think, you know, again, the first thing that comes to mind is really that engagement and sticking with it um, and showing up the session. Um, and then also just um, being willing to um, do some of the things that you might ask somebody to do in an EBP that can be hard and they sort of need to have that trust in their provider to to um, to really dive in. Um so those are some things that come to mind. And I would back up a little too, just, just to go back a, a second and I learned, um, thinking about training. And I do think, you know, a minority of people in our country really serve in the military, right? And the chances that you're going to encounter a provider, if you're a veteran who hasn't served in the military, doesn't have a lot of knowledge um, about military culture are, you know, um, the odds are pretty good that, you know, you might run into that. Uh, that issue. And so, you know, and and definitely for myself, I mean, I became interested in learning more about military culture when I started working at the VA as a trainee Uh 20 years ago. Um, And that was, you know, and and back then we didn't have the online trainings and the, you know, all these resources that we have today. And right. It was really the, um, you know, the uh, veterans who were working at the medical center who were willing to give a talk, right. On their experience. Absolutely. and it was extremely valuable. Um, but, you know, certainly, um, you know, I think we definitely have more comprehensive resources now. So really, if you wanted a more broad education in the area, uh, I think we have those resources and those trainings now that we didn't have back then. So it, it is really, uh, yeah, the trainees are lucky these days. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was just thinking the same thing. I did my pre-doctoral internship at the Portland, Oregon VA in Vision 20 mm-hmm. so many years ago. <laughs> I remember thinking the same thing. It would <laughs> be really nice. It would be really nice if there were some resources to to learn more about these folks and, you know, kind of what they're bringing to the table. And of course, you know, you learn a lot mm-hmm. of that by experience too. And like you said, you know, mm-hmm. folks that are working there that are willing to share their experience, but man, I, I I've been really yeah. impressed with the, like the array of resources that are available now that I kind of yeah. wish were available then when I was doing my internship too. And I'll, oh, I'll disclose, you know, when I stepped uh, stepped into the Air Force, that was a huge culture <laughs> shift for me. There I was in graduate school in, in Vermont, right? You know, crunchy granola Vermont. Next thing I'm wearing all blue and and that were actually down in Maxwell Air Force Base in mm-hmm. my uh, in my career officer training and panicking. I mean, just panicking because I knew nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had no history. I had no experience. And um, so it's kind mm-hmm. of trial by fire there. But, um, and obviously I, I feel like I definitely had an infusion pretty quickly mm-hmm. in, in some aspects of the culture, but that mm-hmm. being, you know, that being the case, my experience as a air force psychologist and my experience of the culture and mm-hmm. of serving as a female, wildly different mm-hmm. from another service member, um, in another branch of service and another, mm-hmm. uh, you know, military specialty. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's, you know, when we talk about these trainings that are available and, and all of us have been involved in trying to, um, develop those trainings and disseminate those trainings. One of the really tricky bits is, um, 
there's not like a set of rules. There's not a list of acronyms, like a, right. a complete list of acronyms would be enormous. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think sometimes <laughs> providers are kind of looking for that, like cheat sheet. Like if I just know these things, then I get it. Right. And I think one of the things that we've tried to reinforce is, um, that there are features of the military culture that you can kind of understand um, or, you know, can be learned mm -hmm. or, or kind of read about. And, 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 and that's great, but there's so much um, individual difference mm -hmm. depending on experience that the real key thing also to do is be respectful in how you ask questions and, mm -hmm. and ask, don't assume. Um, so just because somebody yeah. served, like, you know, they served in the Marine Corps. Well, then right. that must mean X, Y, and Z that the person in front of you had their unique military experience and were, and were mm -hmm. impacted by the culture differently. Um, and what it really takes is developing a being okay with being uncomfortable if you don't know. Um, and then, yeah. you know, figuring out respectful ways to, ask about experiences so that you can have that complete case formulation, right? Like you understand the mm -hmm. why behind some of this stuff. Um, so it's, mm -hmm. it's like cool to develop these things and teach these things. But I think at the same time, we're really teaching folks how to be good listeners, um, yeah. you know, respectful in, in their, in their asking of questions, not making assumptions, um, Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like good clinician first. Like, don't forget you're a good right. clinician just because you're working with the military connection. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like patient-centered care, right? It's, um, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. I mean, there's just so much information out there. Like, it, it's just the... I almost feel like there's just no way to learn everything. Right. And so it, it does, like you're saying that it comes down to being open and curious and respectful and, um, you know, again, building that relationship that's trusting and uh, comfortable. So somebody can share with you and share when you get it wrong. Right. Like I've, I've definitely gotten some things mm -hmm. wrong and it's helpful for people to be able to tell me like, well, it wasn't quite my, you know, <laughs> and I think that's, that's just, um, you know, it's, it's that therapeutic alliance that I think allows love for some of that, um, being able to go back and forth and, and, uh, yeah. So. And it's funny you said, you know, when clients, when clients are able to share when you've gotten something wrong as, as part of that military culture course that we created, um, and Patricia, mm -hmm. uh, Watson, who you referred to earlier, who again was a good, good yeah. friend and colleague of us. Um, one of the cool things we got to do is go around the country to different installations and ask, um, service mm -hmm. members, family members, providers, um, what military culture meant to them. And, you know, we, we were trying to get at, you know, how, give us some examples of like when a healthcare prov provider kind of got it and they integrated that into your yeah. care. And we had very few people be able to articulate that and examples of that, but tons of examples of when the provider got it wrong, right? Like when they, when they missed it and when they lost that opportunity or said something that was off-putting and, um, that was really interesting. I right? that, like those, yeah. <laughs> I, I was just say, one of my favorite parts of your course that you had. <laughs> it's definitely interesting to watch um, and, and to hear those, those things that people have heard. Sometimes you're kind of shocked, like, wow. Sometimes I, I felt a little called out, amazing. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> 
Actually, we just took what, Cle- what Kevin did clinically. Right. And we just wrote that out. Don't do this. <laughs> but I think the good news is, you know, there's a way to repair that. Um, what, what did, I, yeah. One of the things we hear a lot when we're training EVPs even or in consultation is um, when a military connected client will say, you didn't serve you don't know what it's like. Um, You, you didn't experience this. You you don't, you don't know anything about what happened to me. How can you help me? And I think that's such a hard thing um, for civilian providers and by, you know, community providers, providers who who haven't had that service experience. It really can feel like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. I can't, like, I don't know. What, what do you have any thoughts? Like, what do you tell in consultation? Does that come up for you? Or what do you tell folks when that, when that happens. Cause I think that's a real concern for a lot of providers who want to do good work with military mm-hmm. clients, but they kind of get hit with that. Well, I think, um, you know, that's a tough one. Cause I think, um, sometimes, uh, clients won't come out and say that necessarily, but just sort of their stance in the room's a little more defended maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think in those situations, really being clear about what treatment you're thinking of, what is your formulation, what is your plan for, you know, if you're thinking um, this is, this might be um, the approach we want to take, this might be the EBP we, we would like to try, kind of laying that out for people in a very predictable way and saying, this is the expertise I come in with. Um, yes. And I'm open to hearing, you know, I want to hear your experience. I'm open to hearing your experience. I, you know, I haven't served and I, you know, and I know that I may misstep or I may, um, you know, not understand something and I'll, I'll ask you for clarification, but just being open kind of like that. Does that, does that make sense? Like kind of yeah. just, um, yeah, conveying an openness to hearing their experience and making it sort of predictable about what, um, what you're hoping to achieve and kind of your thoughts on the treatment process. So it's a little more transparent for folks. It's just so important too, you know, because I I think, I think sometimes we feel like as providers, we have to like know everything. We have to project Mm, the sense of expertise. We have to, you know, make sure our clients get the, that we know what we're talking about. And, and it is really a different stance or a different approach to say, Hey, you know what? I, I may make mistakes, right? I'm not sure that I know everything and I'm going to need your help as an expert mm-hmm. client mm-hmm. You know, to help me to, to understand this too. And there's, and there's really nothing wrong with that. I think it, it, you know, early on in my career, I remember thinking that I had to make sure I projected that I, yes. you know, they could trust what I was saying because mm-hmm. I'm an expert rather than being another human mm-hmm. in the room with them, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I think that expert part, and sorry to me to talk over your Kevin, that's the no key fine. piece that I, like, yes, you don't have to be expert in all aspects of it. Don't forget you are expert in what right. you're treating them for, right? Like I'm coming right, in right. as an expert on what PTSD is, how it affects people, mm-hmm. how it might be impacting you, how we are going to get you better and take back that territory PTSD is taken from you. Right. But you're coming in right. as the expert on your experience. You're the expert on how that's going to fit with this treatment. And like, we have to work collaboratively, collaboratively together with those mm-hmm. two expertises mm-hmm. to make this work. And I'm not going to, mm-hmm. there's, there's, you know, please, um, I'm not going to assume anything about that experience. That's where I'm going to need you to kind of work with me and collaborate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that really diffuses right. that. Um, but yeah, we don't, we don't have to know everything about, we don't need to understand every single acronym, um, <laughs> to be effective. Wait, it's okay to ask, what does that mean? 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. I think it's a balance, right? Like we don't want our clients, right. you know, having to sit and explain everything and teach us, no. but at the same time, you know, so we can do some <laughs> legwork, but yeah. you know, don't fake right. it. I, I will say if you don't know something, don't pretend you do either. Right. Um, I think, I think people tend to see through that too, you mm-hmm. know, if you're, if you're trying to do that and it, you know, and that being said, like there are resources, right? So like, there's no reason not to build questions into your intake that ask about military right. service, kind of where you served, um, you know, for, for many reasons, you know, to take a history that can tell you, have they been exposed to health hazards or have they, you know, what were some of the experiences they could have had? And um, there's some templates for that, that we can talk about when we talk about resources too, uh, that folks can take a look at. That's awesome, actually. And I think it's a good time, like, you know, we, we've kind of set up the problem is we don't, there's the, mm-hmm. the not, not many folks in who are serving uh, as, as behavioral health providers have personal, excuse me, experience. So what do we do? How do we help providers get short up in this area? And maybe kind of let's, yeah. let's shift to, um, you know, NCPTSD and the VA and, and obviously us and CDP, we've spent a ton of time trying to develop mm. these products to support yeah. providers. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think are some important ones that could um, augment the work that folks are doing with their military connected clients? And I'll well, mention before you get into this. listing them. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I talked over you. Go ahead, Kevin. <laughs> I will say before you get into listing them necessarily that we will include links and, and other ways that people can find these in the show notes. So, okay. um, you know, okay, it, we'll, we'll ask you to provide those for us. We can attach those. Um, so you don't necessarily have to try to spell out a URL. We'll, we'll have those available for folks <laughs> who are listening. Perfect. Um, yeah, I mean, the first training that comes to mind is really that um, sort of uh, seminal training that you and Dr. Watson had developed. I mean, I think that was the, at least the first I was aware of, of a training that went that in-depth um, into military culture and aspects of treating uh, military-connected folks. Um, and so I'm curious uh, sort of uh, where that is in the is that and this can be yeah. off the record, but is that no longer at <laughs> No, it can be on the record. So so we do, you know, I'll, we'll we'll link in the show notes that we do have a military culture tab on our website with that has a bunch of different resources. So that that mm-hmm. link to that course is there. Um it it is uh old enough now that there's sort of this discussion. It's kind of on pause in terms of of being able to access it. Uh will it be updated or um, not. So I think for right now, it's not accessible. We do, which we'll put direct link to have a shorter two hour version, mm-hmm. um, that's called military culture, enhancing clinical competence that is on our website. It's a view only course right now. So if you're, if you're a provider out there mm-hmm. who just wants to kind of get some information, digest, um, you know, some different aspects of, of branches of service, you know, be thinking about warrior ethos and how that impacts mm-hmm. somebody's way of viewing the world and how mental health culture and military culture clash. All mm-hmm. of those kinds of things are in that two hour view only training um, that will you know, put a direct link to, but that's sort of, it was kind of the distilled down, digested <laughs> reader's digest version of the yeah. very, very long. One of the problems with the other courses, it was quite long, you know, it, it was four modules, two hours each. Yeah. So that's eight hours. Um, so we wanted to create something that was, um, 
more reasonable in terms of, of time. So that's still there. Um, and you can access that on our website. And, and then there's other, you know, there's obviously mm-hmm. other courses out there, but, but the idea is there's, there are courses to take, um, or mm-hmm. on demand things you can view. So that's, that's one option. What else? Yeah. It, you Mench- know, well, I, well, I would say like, you know, I, um, could have mentioned this earlier, but, um, around, uh, looking at one's own biases, potential biases mm-hmm. um, around the military, military stereotypes, things like that, that these biases that you might have that you're not even aware of, right? Like Center for Deployment Psychology has a great um, assessment for that, right? That, you, yes. that um, providers could take to really make them more aware of um, whether, you know, they might uh, have some uh, stereotypes about the military or kind of what, what their biases may be. Um, and I think that self-awareness um, is also really important when you're going into the room um, with a patient. It's a great first step for sure. Yeah. And we do, um, we can yeah. put a link to that mm-hmm. for sure too. Right. And then there's um, some trainings that the VA has uh, on VHA train uh, site and there's specific ones. So there's um, a general kind of course um, and there's also one for primary care uh, in military culture and one for spiritual care in military culture. Um, and then there's also the community provider toolkit, which, you know, thank you for all of your input over the years, Jenna, on content that's on that site as well. Um, so tell us more about the toolkit. And you're welcome. So the toolkit was a, yeah, was initially launched in um, 2012. Also, again, quite long ago, um, has undergone some revision, of course, since then. Um, in particular, the military uh, culture pages that we have on that toolkit um, have have gone through some iterations, and that's primarily due to you know when we first launched the toolkit. Um, we had thought, okay, well, it's important for people to take a history and to um, have nowhere to find, you know, links to the different branches of the military, things like that. Um, and so we had that up there. And what we realized over the years was that you can give people a set of questions, right? But they, if they have no background, they don't really maybe know why they're asking all of these questions, right? Like they might not realize what's important about asking, you know, what branch somebody served in or what, you know, um, or whatever particular question. And so when we went back to revise the site, we actually um, broadened the questions to have you or someone you love served in the military and then tell me more about that. And we have different considerations for each question, right? Like here's why this might be important. And then after that, we link to uh, related trainings or um, websites that folks can learn more about that particular topic. Um, and so it's a little bit different. And we, you know, that piece was revised with help from yourself and Dr. Watson and um, folks at the VA, uh, Dr. Loftus and Dr. Crow, mm-hmm. um, you know, and many, many VA staff and National Center staff have looked at that site over the years and provided feedback. Um, and SAMHSA staff, we, we work a lot with partnerships on that um, website. So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, hopefully helpful to folks um, in terms of finding specific trainings and things like that um, and knowing maybe where to start. So we have a, we have a page for uh, considerations in treating rural um, Alaska Native and American Indian um, veterans. Uh, we also have one um, for considerations 
for transgender uh, folks and um, in treating LGBTQ plus uh, folks as well um, with links and resources specific to those topics. Um, yes, and just to mention too, the VA has a pocket card um, on their website that uh, just goes down some questions to take for military history. It's a pocket card for taking a military history and that can be useful as well, so. Yeah, because I think I'll that goes back, back to you guys. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think that goes back to, you know, we're all well trained. If I'm assessing depression, I ask these things, or if I'm trying to take a social history, I ask these questions, mm-hmm. but we don't have great, um, we don't have great resources for good to ask questions about military stuff. Like if you, if you don't have experience mm-hmm. with that, and I love that the toolkit takes the step further to sort of say the why behind the question, the intent mm-hmm. behind it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think you also are pointing out you know, sort of this, this issue we've already talked about that the military has a mm-hmm. culture filled with subcultures. Right. Um, yeah. and, and yeah. again, the experience of the larger military culture can be, can be very different, um, you know, based on cultural origin, but mm-hmm. also, you know, other, other features of the person or features of the job that you do in the military. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that that again is not said to me make it overwhelming, but just it it brings it back to that you know we talk about intersectionality in a lot of our trainings, and yeah. um, if you could see me, I'm drawing a circle in the air. But the, <laughs> the, the individuals in the middle, okay. but there's all those spokes coming out that are you know different aspects of that mm-hmm. person that really it's not one of those, those, you know, exterior yeah. circles that shapes how they experience the world, but sort of all of them mm-hmm. together, you know, some, some more, um, maybe more important at different times in somebody's life. But, you know, again, I've mentioned, you know, I'm a, I was a female and I was air force mm-hmm. and I, you know, and I have all my other features mm-hmm. that sort of play into who I am and how I see the world and how mm-hmm. I might see a provider or a treatment and, um, those are the, that's really the crux of it, right? It's mm-hmm. like, how did these, yeah. how are these things influencing how your client is viewing their problem, is viewing your, your work together is, you know, what expectations mm-hmm. they have. Um, and, and that's, that's the, the important part of it. Kevin, were you going to say something? No, no. Okay. I thought I cut you <laughs> off. Um, <laughs> No, well, I'm so glad you brought that up, Jen. Like, I think that's so important, the intersectionality piece of this, like in, in recognizing recognizing these different pieces of identity that people come in with. I just I think that's so important. Yeah. And and not making assumptions about which one trumps another, mm-hmm. right? Or or overemphasizing right. one. Right. And, um and you know, just because somebody served doesn't mean they really aligned with mm-hmm. the military culture you know for some people it's a great mm-hmm. fit and they sort of take on characteristics of that and for other people it really wasn't and um you yeah. know there's changes in that developmentally so it's a really complex fascinating uh part mm-hmm. of clinical clinical care and work um and i know you know kevin and i are both um pe consultants long exposure consultants yeah. for cdp um and we really think about that a lot you know how how somebody's background and and culture shapes even mm-hmm. their experience of their trauma and you know the mm-hmm. this, this treatment that we're trying to um, have them engage in. So it's such a critical. Well, part. I'm curious. I'm curious if there's like major things that sort of you see again and again, or that kind of come up when you're doing these treatments, since you both do this so much. Um, yeah, with the training. I, I, 
Yeah. I think in general, I mean, and, and I'll think of a, Kevin can maybe think of a specific example. Mm-hmm. One thing I think is important to foot stomp, um, and I alluded to it earlier, is the military culture. Yeah. If you took military culture and you kind of lined up its features and you put mental health culture and you lined up its features next to each other, they're almost mm. diametrically opposed. Like right. our cultures could not be more different. Right. Um, you know, mm-hmm. military is about pain tolerance. You know, we're about this, we're, we're about, you know, kind of reducing distress. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there's, you know, we want you to open up and feel and talk and that's not always adaptive in the military. So I think one yeah, thing we see yeah. sometimes with our consultation is providers coming at their patients really only from this mental health culture lens. Um, mm-hmm. and it's almost mm-hmm. like they're, they're, they're fighting their client, you know, they're not understanding, they're not putting the the behaviors they're seeing in the context of this was really adaptive for me when I was in the military and it's how right, I operate. Right. Um, and so figuring out ways to kind of move over to the military culture initially, like don't, don't drag them over to mental health culture, you know, don't kind of understand <laughs> mm-hmm. where that's coming from. And then, you know, continue to talk about how that's serving them in, in kind of move shifting them slowly over to some yeah. of the things and, and, you know, individual goals versus, you know, it's all about, you know, mm-hmm. individual goals and therapy and like what you want to get versus like, what does the unit need? What does the military need? Right. Um, I mean, if, so that, if there's any specific different. example, that's when I was thinking of, it's just, you know, sometimes mm. clients that I've worked with before, when we've talked about things that start, I don't know, start sounding like self-actualization or something like that, right? Like, what do you, mm-hmm. what do you want? What, you know, what would be better beneficial for you? Yeah. I get a lot of, you know, or I have had it in the past, at least some military clients that'll push back and say, well, no, I mean, we need to get the mission done. Like it's my contribution to this group goal. And, you know, for example, mm-hmm. you know, Jenna alluded to earlier, some of those things that people have, you know, have heard in therapy or from other providers that were not helpful, you know, and, and, and one example in there that just, when I said, I felt called out, I know I've said this before. It's like, well, wouldn't you rather not be over there? Wouldn't you rather, you know, what, isn't it better for you not to be deployed? No, not necessarily from coming from a mental health right. culture perspective only. Okay, sure. Cause that, you know, that means you can mm-hmm. focus on you. But one of the things that, that I learned, and I think a lot of us learn as we're working with mm-hmm. um, service connected folks is that there's also this, this high value placed on contributing to this group, like yeah. you know, doing this job that you trained for and, and even feeling at times guilty if things happen when you weren't there because you weren't there yeah. to contribute, to be part of that team and, you know, and, and recognize that understanding that as a, as a true deep value for some of these folks, mm-hmm. to understand our clients better. I mean, just as that one specific yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah, not that's a that great that, example. Not telling that that value mm-hmm. is maladaptive or that's what's causing their problems. Not at mm-hmm. all. That's kind of part of, you know, the culture they're coming from and yeah. with. So, yeah. yeah. Another, another example that's an easy one too is, you know, for, and I'll, and I'll use PE cause we, we, that's what I'm, most familiar with these days, mm-hmm. um, we give rationales, right? We give these long rationales for treatment, a rationale for in vivo, a rationale for imaginal. Um, and I, you know, providers, I think sometimes forget to check in in the right way to, under, to check understanding. So again, like a, mm-hmm. if they're working with a service member, mm-hmm. um, sort of, or does this treatment sound good to you? Yes, ma'am. Right. That's going to be the answer <laughs> versus Mm-hmm. I just explained a lot. Um, some of this treatment can be tough. What, what parts are you most concerned about? Um, that was a lot of information. Tell me, tell me the pieces that feel the least clear, you know, so you're like forcing that 
it's okay to question this. It's okay to have concerns about what I'm asking you to do. And you don't just need to say, yes, ma'am. Um, Mm-hmm. So I think that it can play out that way too. And then, um, you know, FEMA doesn't progress because the client doesn't understand the why behind why they're doing it, but they don't want to ask you because that's, you know, rude or, or inappropriate for them to do. Right. Yeah. And, and as much as we may not like it, we may be perceived as an authority figure. And, you know, just right. when you're coming from a hierarchical mm-hmm. structure and your authority figure saying, we're going right. to do this, you don't need to know the why. Yeah, you know, that right. they, they might interpret that differently <laughs> than we might think we're saying it as mental health providers. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. You were talking about the, um, the group and contributions to the group, um, I guess distally related, uh, you know, and talking to college students, right. Who are veterans, um, who recently transitioned out of the military. Um, it just reminded me of when they would talk about group work and how as a non-traditional student right there, they would end up often and as a veteran, often picking up the slack for their group right. members who, wouldn't do as much, you know, as much prep work or as much work on the project, but. Um. Right, Cause we got to get the mission done. Right. It's not, right. Right. It's not just the individual, but yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's about the teamwork. Right. About the, yeah. 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 Well, so, um, just as we wrap up any of our episodes, you know, this is practical for your practice. Mm-hmm. We like to ask anybody who's joining us, like what kind of specific practical tips do you have for our listeners, as they're thinking about, you know, starting their journey or continuing their journey and developing their um, you know, cultural sensitivity or cultural competence for military culture, like what are some of those tips that some of our listeners can take right now, go apply and, and uh, you know, improve their cultural competence mm-hmm. for military culture? So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one thing that I might do first is um, start to look at your own biases. Um, around uh, military service and, yeah. and service members. And you can find that checklist, right, at, at CBP. And um, it's short and you can, you know, it just might help make you a little bit more self-aware. I think that's always great um, to, to increase our awareness as clinicians of our own perspectives and, and views. And, um, and then, you know, there is a number of trainings out there that you can check out and get some background um, in military culture. And, you uh, also, you know, uh, like I mentioned, there's also some um, places where you might find questions that you can build into your intake and mm-hmm. um, that might give you a sense of, oh, this person's been exposed to this situation or this potential hazard, or they might need this referral for multidisciplinary care, right? And um, it might give you some um, uh, some leads on where to um, to refer them or to, to um connect them to other support services that they might need. Um, no, that's, no, yeah. I think those are great. I'm going to, the other one I would add to <laughs> and see if you agree is consultation too. Like this is a place in clinical oh, care yeah, where it's okay definitely. to get consultation, whether that's through VA or it's through us, um, you know, Absolutely. don't, don't worry mm-hmm. alone. So I love the idea of like, here's the self work you could do, right. Use these resources, mm-hmm. do the, do the work mm-hmm. on your biases. Um, we all have them. It's okay. But no, you know, if you're aware <laughs> of them, you don't bring them into the room as often and do the, you know, do the, get the information from the courses. And, and again, luckily there's lots of free resources out there mm-hmm. on this front. 
um, you know, build those resources into your practice. Um, and, and I will mention with the military culture, big course we did, um, we, de- we developed something called the culturally competent behaviors checklist. And that's kind mm-hmm. of like looking at your practice, where, what are things you're already doing? Where are some things you could, um, you know, and it's, it's everything from like adding certain questions to your intake forms, asking the question, first of all, um, looking at your mm-hmm. waiting room, looking at your office space, you know, not that you have to have flags and patriotic things, but are there, are there any aspects of what's in your space that might be off-putting, you know, are mm-hmm. you offering telehealth, you know, if that's something that you think would draw in this population. So just take a look at mm-hmm. your clinical practice, um, which kind of goes with your point about, uh, you know, what, what kinds of things can you add to your questionnaires or, or intake process and then consult, you know, Hey, I've got this client yeah. and I'm doing this EBP and this is coming up. You know, I'm trying to understand in the context of culture or there's cultural factors I'm missing or, you know, ways I'm misinterpreting this. Um, and don't worry alone, get some support from folks who spend oh. a lot of time thinking about this, care mm-hmm. passionately about it. And, um, I think that would be, that would be just one more thing I'd add. As a previous yeah, supervisor and, you know, used to build- say to me, is spread the liability around, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, it's that then, way. You know, but. <laughs> well, you know, within that, um, you know, just following up on that, I would say there's also the PTSD consultation program, right? Through the right. VA. And I, um, yeah, and I think uh, one of your previous guests came on to talk about that, I think, right? So, mm-hmm. Norman, Dr. Norman. Yes. Um, and we can put, yeah, again, all so these that's... resources in the show notes. So, so people don't have to go Great, hunting perfect. through an old episode, you know, but yes, please say, say more about <laughs> that. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no. So the PTSD consultation program is, uh, you know, anyone in the community or, you know, at the VA or wherever, can, if they're seeing a veteran who has, PTSD or trauma symptoms, they can call the consultation program and receive expert consultation on the case, which is super helpful. Um, And then there's also the Make the Connection website on the VA uh, that the VA runs. And the Make the Connection website has stories of um, real veterans telling their stories and how, um, you know, they reached out and sought care or got connected to care resources. Um, And there's a provider option on that page too. So that has a bunch of resources there. Um, And the National Center for PTSD has a similar site called About Faith that has veterans mm-hmm. with PTSD talking about their journey um, and uh, their their care that they received. Um, so those are some really good sites to check out. Yeah, those are great. I keep thinking like, where were these resources like a million years ago when I was an intern? But I know they are such good ones. We've learned from so good. all your mistakes, yeah. Kevin. It's okay. right. <laughs> 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 well, you have a Shannon, lot to I do. Now, Kevin. Exactly. <laughs> right. like, don't do this. Don't do that. Um, Shannon, I do want to thank you so much for thank taking you. the time to join us today and talk through the importance of military culture and how to shore up your um, what you need to know about military culture. Uh, and I look forward to many projects to come with you. And hopefully we can con- continue to develop some uh tools for providers on this front moving forward, but we are really grateful. So thanks so much for coming today. Thank you. Well, thank you for inviting me on. It was a lot of fun and I look forward to future projects too. Um, there's a lot, a lot of work to do. So, um, for sure. so yeah. All right. Well, Great. thanks everyone. We hope to <laughs> thank see you, you next, <laughs> next time on practical for your practice. I do want to mention one new resource for the podcast that, uh, that you all, you know, we've, we talked to you for like three seasons now, and you've heard a lot of different guests, a lot of different tips and, and practical, um, 
uh, tools you can use. We want to hear from you. Like, what are your questions? What are the things that you're encountering? What's your reactions to, you know, previous guests? Or do you have suggestions for future topics? Um, give us a call and leave us a voice message. We have a new service uh, through SpeakPipe. So it's at speakpipe.com slash CDPP4P. So that's Center for Opponent Psychology Practical Furry Practice. Speakpipe.com slash CDPP4P. And leave us a voicemail and uh, you may be featured in a future podcast episode. Thanks for listening to Practical for Your Practice. Please feel free to subscribe, rate, and join in on the conversation in the comments. Until next time.